pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to Declarations of War. I am your host, Alexei Avkar, joined by my fellow Noir co-host, Zero Cool. Hello, New Eden. And Levitain. G'day, g'day, g'day. No special guests this evening, just us for what will be a obligatory historic show, is what I'm thinking of calling it. I don't know if that'll be the actual title, but uh, while we have been briefly gone, there have been major, major shakeups in the EVE landscape. One really in particular, but its ramifications will be fent- spent, ah, felt <laughs> for a while. Goodness. Our main story, the, the Mitanni has resigned from leadership of the Imperium, leadership of Goonswarm, possibly the game, and over a sexual misconduct scandal of all potential things. Now, there's a lot of layers to this. Um, you know, my 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 regrets if we don't fully capture every angle and perspective as we're talking about this here a lot has happened over the past week some of it very nuanced all of it very emotionally charged but we will try to break it down for you here and i think most importantly discussing the question of where do we go from here. We, the community, where does the Imperium go from here? How does this affect, you know, the the geopolitical landscape of the game? How does it affect the metacultural landscape of the game? So, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to Where do you want to start, Zero? Because I know you you and I had talked about this at, quite a bit uh, at our second story, which is Zero and I met in person, and and we hung out with Lave and Rob, and we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, begin at the beginning, I guess? Yes, indeed, way to start. I think, for me, you know, one of the things I want to say is a bit of a disclaimer, really, is that um, I, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid going into any detail about specific individuals or events I've read about, because the thing is, I, I mean, over the last two weeks, I've read an awful lot. Um, I've tried to read everything I can around this this issue, this event. And um, I've also listened to a few podcasts and a few recordings of things um, that I've come across. And it's an overwhelming amount of information, um, to be honest with you. And I think I'm going to try and generalize uh, without without sitting on the fence too much. Um, so yeah, where to start? Um, I suppose uh, the starting point for me of this, this, this saga really is... Um, where some people who were uh, definitely um, early, early people in um, sort of goon swarm, goon fleet uh, kind of cooperation and alliances, um, who had returned to the game, um, returned to the game due to the uh, the, the horn of Goondor uh, email that went out, um, came back to the game and participated in in the latter stages or perhaps more of of the last big war between the imperium and and pappy as it was known i think isn't it at the time and at least one of those people um somebody called first name last name and i don't mind mentioning this one in in specifics because first name last name has made it very clear uh what their public sort of a lot of this stuff has been made public by them, um, so I have no no issue really in naming them. Um, first name, last name is somebody who was very uh, an early early person in in the game uh, around the goons, and uh, sort of outed um, some of the the things that um, that we we've, we've now all had to sort of consume, uh, I suppose. And um, uh, a divide ended up occurring between the um, the forum, the the something awful forum. And uh, the the goons themselves in the game, and uh, there there was a bit of an argument really about uh, some of this stuff, and people started to take sides. And uh, yeah, the allegations. Um, I mean, this all started because somebody um, was was reporting harassment 
from multiple fronts over a period of time, um, both in and out of the game, and felt that uh, felt frustrated that it hadn't been addressed. And that's where first name last name comes in, saying that you know this isn't this isn't good enough. This person should have been supported earlier on. Um, this this person shouldn't have to wait many many months and be ignored. And um, and people just sort of joined in from there. Really, people started coming in with different views and opinions and postings on forums that I don't have, don't have access to. And uh, the next thing you know, some some rather well known people. Um, people uh, they must be well known because I've heard of them. Um, started getting banned, um, and that, that things just sort of escalated and deteriorated from there, really. Uh, and then uh, over the next four or five days, you 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 see more and more um, casualties, if you want, uh, of uh, of this whole saga. Um, people being brought up uh, from from recent times, people being brought up from the past who are still hanging around in corpse that perhaps. You know, shouldn't be because they've been since banned, and and people taking sides is, is the way I see it. People taking uh, a position um, either in support of of the goons as they were, or in support of a new a new perspective, a new approach, um, one that is perhaps more supportive of people. And yeah, I mean, we we end up in this situation where where eventually more stuff gets dragged up from the past, and allegations are thrown. The way of of the Matani that um, were obviously too much for uh, for for things to be sort of sustainable. Um, a so bit like in real there, politics. To be clear, there there were several allegations going on against different people. Not all of them were against Matani specifically, but kind of kicked off with a harassment. I guess the the really high level version of it. There's a harassment complaint made, and kind of. I, I guess the phrase would be kind of stalled in the bureaucracy of Goon Swarm was not handled effectively. It got raised up to Matani and and his circle and was not handled well. And the specific chat logs and specific comments, which are very like, you know, goony irreverent comments got leaked out and really cast them in a bad light, especially considering that they hadn't actually done anything to help this girl. And that kind of, that sparked everything off. And then from there, there were further allegations made against Mutani himself of exposing himself at a fan event. And then some allegations made on a Facebook group, which I'm not going to give much credence to because as far as I can tell, they're fairly unverified. Um, But the the total effect was you know casting Matani in a very bad light, casting aspersions on his own um his own personal conduct. Zanuria and his presence in the Imperium slash Goonstorm also got pulled into this. Uh people highlighting the fact that Zanuria had a history of posting child pornography, allegedly, and was removed from test on that basis but got picked up into the Imperium. And then Imperium voted him into the uh, into the CSM, kind of as a joke, but they still did it. Uh, and then it's sort of been brought back up, some of the, the allegations from the past that Zero's mentioned, that, oh, like, oh, he's in Goonswarm. They're, they're covering for a known pedophile. It's like, well, for, like, years, yeah. And everyone was fine with it till now, apparently. Yeah, I think that seems to be the theme of of this. Is um, some things have been happening, um, and and for me, you know, I want to bring to light what I've read a lot about is the blurring of of the in game, uh, the in game. What's the best word for it? Interactions, um, and then those those lines b- between the in game and and real life being blurred, and uh, not just blurred, but outright, you know. Uh, broken um you know the fourth wall has been broken many times it seems over the years and uh people have been sort of harassed in in real life um and ultimately it seems like like you say like that some of these things have been fine until now um seems to be the theme you know people have have uh allowed or, or um, been witnessed to and not really done anything about or or just sort or of stuck around in groups that... in like people I mean, 
so Mitani's mishandling of the of the harassment situation, yes, absolutely. Uh, whether he exposed himself at an event or not, I, I gather there were more than two people in that room. I haven't heard statements from anyone else involved, so can't say anything on that one. But the Zaniria thing honestly surprised me in that, not surprising that it happened, but surprised me that it was public knowledge. At the time when he joined, it was public knowledge during his CSM run, public knowledge all the way up until now, but suddenly it becomes a... not not just a a thing to bludgeon Matani with, but also like kind of a guilt by association thing of, ooh, you guys all knew about this and you all covered up for him. Well, the whole community knew about it and no one spoke up. I mean, <laughs> like CCP even let him let him not only let him run, let him serve. You know, there are a lot of fingers to a lot of blame to go around in the Zenaria situation. A lot of blame to go around in this area situation. And on that one, I feel like be careful who you're throwing stones at because chances are you should be throwing that yourself too. Everybody knew a lot of people voted for him. A lot of people allowed him to run on CSM. A lot of people have been playing with him and interacting with him in Imperium all the way up till now. And Test made it very public why they were removing him what was it, like eight years ago or whatever? It was common knowledge. They did not hold back. It was all over Reddit, all over the forums. Obviously, nothing proven in a court of law, but as far as like publicly available information on that situation, it was there. I wonder if, had that have happened now, would it be all different? And the world has changed a lot in, that last eight, in the last eight years or so that I think you, know, you might see a different outcome back then. I mean... Uh, as you say, the community, in some respects, does bear, and at the same time, doesn't I mean there are plenty of people who play casually, like myself, who don't have all the knowledge of all of this. There might be people listening who say, "I don't know that, and I haven't got time to look through eight to ten years of history." But you're right, you know, any, any, anything like that, that that shouldn't that should be a red flag for anyone being recruited um, onto into a, a large organization, not less put up front, put up front as a CSM member. That's that's insane when you look at it from the outside in, but it shows that uh, ultimately Eve CCP have created a, a, a community in it with with no rules, and that's that's essentially created lots of uh, groups that have infrastructures that would put most small to medium sized businesses to shame. But unlike in the cyberspace world, the real world are bound by laws and, and thereby have to have working processes according to your jurisdictions. You have to, any kind of organism. If you had Goonsome like a, like a corporation and you had member count in the 5K, you have to have a HR thing or you're going to get stung by it. And in some respects, because you've now got the situation where you've got large groups without a kind of – for a lack of a better word, a functioning HR system, this was waiting to happen. And I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Um, and and really, what's, what's the, how much more could there potentially be out there? Well, I, I mean, you saw this comment made in some of the Twitch chat comments of the, uh, the Matani resigning meta show. A lot of directors have had to field this kind of issue before and you know it's a fair number of them do handle it correctly it's it's a weird situation on the one hand like i agree with you levy an organization that big if you didn't have a, a functioning hr department and most of them didn't not to this degree uh imperium to their credit is really trying to take charge of the situation by standing one up and standing up sort of a independent review process for these types of claims and you know we'll we'll see how well it actually works if it does help clean things up there but on the other hand a lot of it's you would hope is somewhat common decency right if a woman's being harassed by somebody you you'd be on their side yeah, and this is, and I, I, I suspect the reason why we haven't heard as much of this is because on on the vast majority of times the director is or the person who we look out for each other. But in this instance, it clearly hasn't happened. I don't know. Excuse me for a second. It's it, it's absolutely it's dis, it, it, it's disgraceful, and it 
really, I think it, it shows the danger. Uh, Zero kind of made there that there's almost like a blending between the, the the game world and the real world. Problem is that as a design, that has that has largely been obliterated almost by design itself. We have e fan fest itself. The CSM is by normal player name itself. To some degree, there is a there, it, it, it trans even online kind of the large groups want you to transcend the game itself to kind of move into the real life side of things. And that brings with it benefits, you know, meeting you guys in our next story, but it also opens up to other things. And there are a lot of skeletons in some of these guys' closets. You know, I, I remember a certain, um, I think it was the Mitany, uh, CSM and, and some pretty inappropriate comments. I was, I see, was it the fan fest and some really inappropriate comments, if I recall? But it's, uh, it's, you mean the the whole wizard hat? I think there? so. Yeah, wizard hat gate. There's a yeah, lot that, of history. Tony, yeah. Although <laughs> that's been that's been done to death. I feel like at this point that's unfair to no, bring but... it back up in this context. Totally different situation, and that's been uh, it's the the horse has been beaten to death, revived and beaten to death again. On that oh, one. I, I don't want to resurrect that one. What I'm saying is that it, it shows that it isn't simply a case of game real world in Eve, particularly in these large groups, those two groups, the Venn diagram overlaps quite significantly. And the more you get into these groups, the more that overlaps. And that is both a positive, but it also exposes, um, gamers and organizations, the groups within them, uh, to bits that they might not necessarily have the experience to deal with. I think, yeah, the the whole, you know, don't have the experience to deal with it thing is, is um, fair. Um, should have perhaps developed that by now, also a fair point to, to bring up, I suppose. But, I mean, for me personally, having joined the game only in the last few years, I mean, I... You know, having read a lot about the history, there's always been times where people have blended the real life and brought the real life in and met in real life. And people have, have done things in real life that have, have um, you know, been related to the game. Um, but I, I personally felt that, you know, a lot of that had died down over the last, say, five years or more. Um, and that people had sort of started to um, separate the two a bit more. Um but it seems like perhaps not so much. I mean, I'm talking mostly about the idea of you play the game, um, but then it affects your, it starts to affect your real life because people, you know, use your real life to, to gain an advantage over you in the game. Um, I mean, that, that's one thing that uh, I've read a lot about recently. People apologizing for doing things like that, for example. Um, people talking about things that they've done in the past, but also not so long ago as well. Um, but then you've got this harassment thing, isn't it? Where, you know, we're not just talking here about trying to gain an advantage because of a space war or some sort of in-game, you know, rivalry we're talking about somebody who who was potentially being um pursued um unwanted you know um from multiple fronts and and isn't you know what kind of defense have you got you can't just block somebody in eve and that's the end of it right i mean that's that's where you want the support of your fellow players right your alliance your corporation and i mean i i will say that um you know i've I, I've certainly tried to stay away from groups that um, that say silly things in their discords and share inappropriate stuff in their discords. Um, I've glanced at some stuff before and quickly left um, because it was a bit immature, uh, to say the least. And then and then I've stuck with groups like Eve University and Noir, where you know harassment is not tolerated. Um, and, and it saddens me when I, I see so many comments on Reddit of people saying, well, this is this is how it is. You know, there, there is no game, there is no group in the game that is immune from from this. And I'm thinking, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, of course, it's it would be wrong to say that that every group in the game that I've played with uh, for a longer time is immune to it. But certainly it's not tolerated. And any hint of people being inappropriate um, is quickly dealt with and very sympathetically. And I, if it wasn't the case, I wouldn't be flying with with the groups I fly with. Um, so it's not everywhere, but it, I'm sad to see how widespread the issue is. 
you mentioned an interesting point there. I just wanted to pick up on. You mentioned that this this person um, uh, was presented was being pursued in real life, and that's when you want to kind of the support of your corp. The problem is, is hey, once it hits that particular side of things, there isn't actually a lot. If let's say if 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 a, if this person knows real life and comes after, that's a that's a judicial, that's a police matter, um, and that's where you the game can't really go any further. There, CCP aren't can't investigate on your behalf. Your court, your your alliance may be the best in the world, but they ultimately they ultimately have no power outside of the game. And when that kind of thing moves to the outside world itself, you know it's. As, as I mentioned, it, it puts it puts the group itself into a very difficult position because they ultimately have no they have limits as to what they can do. For example, let's say a year from now, or let's say a year from now, a similar situation happens again. But ultimately, you can ban the player or so. But if it's coming in real life, then that's a police matter itself, and that's again why I talk about the the two worlds overlapping itself and the danger there in that groups. And I'm not defending any of these groups for a second, but I'm just surprised that it's not happened. We've not come across situations, and perhaps I suspect we probably have seen and never heard about it. Um, situations that that pop up that might have real life, leave life blending into real life more. My brisk rebel mentioned that someone told his workplace about it, which is case in point of that. Though there is a slight bit of kind of. He, Bruce kind of very much has his public persona as his general thing. Well, he made note that it wasn't the first time that it had happened and that he's had to deal with that kind of thing before, which, if you're listening out there, just stop. It's just not acceptable. Like, <laughs> nothing in or nothing an EVE player does in or out of game requires you reporting them to their workplace. Like, relax. I think, uh, Leif, you make a, an interesting point there about, you know, the limits that each entity, each stakeholder here has in what they can do. Um, and then, and then of course it is, it is a police matter, but the frustration there for people is that, you know, this is an international game, isn't it? And you, you can't expect um, the police to, to, to take you see, well, you should expect them to take you seriously, I should say, but they're not going to take you seriously. If you say that somebody in, in another country, uh, the other side of the world is, is messaging you on, um, on, in ga- on on like gaming related uh, social media um and so even even the police and, and unless the person lives in the same country as you I, I would suspect even the police can't do a great deal and and it's then it's i suppose it's only really for the the alliances and corps to to at least be supportive right i mean you know at least provide support i mean okay they might not be able to do practically do a lot aside from banning people which that as far as I know, didn't happen, um, which is, you know, part of the issue here. The person ended up having to leave, I believe, and go elsewhere. Um, but, but then I suppose what I would rather is if groups that are not prepared to provide that support, groups that are not prepared to um, be, be supportive in that way, would just be upfront about it and say, you know, we don't care if, uh, if people harass you in our corp we're not going to do anything about it um at, at least then people have the ability to um make a decision you know and um know where they stand up front you know if corps would be upfront about you know w- we say inappropriate things and we don't care about um about slurs for example we we allow our members to make comments to people including including slurs that are very offensive um at least then everybody knows and can can stay away or or not from those groups right because the way I see it, uh, most groups are just sort of trying to pretend that oh, it's okay because every, it's, it's like this everywhere. Um, and, and I'm not saying that you know everybody should have this you know gold standard of uh, of, of behavior and language because you, you're not going to get a universally agreed uh, protocol for these things. Um, you know, I've certainly got my views on what should and shouldn't be acceptable, but I'm not going to get the whole world to agree with me. Um, but I, I can certainly say that, you know, the people I fly with, we're all on the same page in that regard. You know, we don't behave in, in ways that we find um, undesirable and immature and uh, inappropriate. Um, and, and if we did, then I wouldn't be with, with us. I would be somewhere else. I think there's another thing to also point out here as well. Um, you mentioned that there isn't much people can do. I mean, CCP have put out their statement on this. They, they clearly waited for a, a several days to kind of 
let the let everything kind of die down by then you know the mods have stepped in on reddit at all and they've put out their statement there which is very much uh, very much outlining that you know the kind of stuff that we saw you know abuse what not not tolerated in the policy in the terms and conditions and policy of the game they have a policy for this and they would and i think it's important to plug the game developers response here because to not plug it i and not for again if it's not done i think there'll be an even bigger problem eve of ctp have said that you know if you are seeing this kind of behavior or, or are aware of this that there's also a line of there's a lot there's a protocol to kind of go with them to email them per their, them and i think it's just they, they yeah i mean how many times are, are is it potentially leads to we don't know but if no one tries it if no one sticks the hand up and says not this is not okay my group's not doing this and i've got xyz who said he's gonna you know he or she is gonna come around to me that's again it, it steps outside it takes it beyond that and, and it need the only way this stops is when it gets slapped down properly yeah absolutely i think there's a uh and I, I want to say all this acknowledging, like, this is something that actual companies with, like, payroll and income to spend and, you know, access to the best possible training and all that stuff, even they are still struggling with getting this right. So to expect EVE players and their EVE corporations to, like, have a magic bullet answer for all this is unrealistic. But you still have to try and if you're not putting these systems in place, then you've got to be accountable for when it goes wrong. Yeah. That's Neil. what it comes down to. If you're a big enough group, you've got tens of thousands of players. You're going to have tens of thousands of people with problems and you need to have a way for that to get handled. And just leaving it up to the usual chain of command obviously isn't good enough because that chain of command can get abused, especially when harassment and sexual misconduct come into play. There is one more thing I, I would like to say about this thing. Um, it's, it's not really the, the most pertinent issue, but for me, it's just it's something that can be done. Um, I don't know how true this is, but I've read a few times lately that um, some groups with perhaps their corporation or alliance name um, being very much outmoded uh, in the sense that, you know, perhaps make reference to things that people would find offensive. Um things that are, you know, very much in the real world that people would find offensive from history and things, that that they've allegedly had difficulty getting their names changed. Um, and and I would imagine that, you know, CCP have something to, they should at least uh, be able to know whether this is true or not. You know, um, I, I know that in EVE there's been this long tradition that once you choose that name for your character or whatever, that it's kind of stuck and that they won't let you change it unless it's, it's really, really offensive or something. But the ones that are, you know, just plain offensive, um, if they if they are petitioning CCP to get their names changed, then I would like to think that given at the events now that those requests would be looked upon more favorably. Um, there is one particular group that uh, comes to mind that their name makes reference to the Holocaust, and um, they were criticized for that in the, in, within this, you know, last fortnight. And one of their members, I, well, allegedly one of their members, said that um, they had tried before to get it changed, and uh, now it's been changed this this last week to something um, similar, but with no reference to the Holocaust anymore. And I, I just hope that you know those simple things that can be done um, are done now. You know, if, if people want to change, because the history is the history. You know, the the internet in the in the two thousands was a very different place. Uh, you know, I'm somebody that grew up with the internet in the nineties. And then, and then the two thousands, and it was the wild west. You know that that is as simple as that. Um, you know, these days you you'd be generous just to call it edgy, but but it certainly was the wild west. And you know, the world has changed. And if people want to mature, um, and you know, just generally change their image um, as a group, then then they should be able to do that. I think. And um, yeah, that's that's just something I wanted to mention. So, Matani himself, gone now from leadership of Goonsworn. Um, Brisk and Merkelchen have said that, you know, it's just one man, everything is going to proceed as normal, the Imperium command structure can function without him. Do we believe them? 
I think the, what we just mentioned there is that it, it, HR, even in small companies in real life, it's a it, it can be a major undertaking. There is there is learning. There is a mindset. There are ways to kind of make the system work so that almost like you can kind of deal with whistleblowers. For example, you need to have policies and dealing with this. You know, my my workplace has this in place, and and we're a small organization. You know, an organization the size of Goonswarm that in real life would be would would command an entire department and several full time salaries by itself. Um, they mentioned in their the most recent um, the meta show that they would be creating a specific division that apparently can go outside of leadership. Um, in with regards to how how Eve has been classically classically how kind of cutthroat it has been in places, how particularly sometimes ego driven it can be driven almost more by the personality than anything else. I think that's. One of the limit. That's one of the the limiting factors. One of the things that might not make that work. I mean, fair play to anyone who tries it, and if they can pull it off. I mean, goons for all the malign and and crap they've done, others that, and where they came from, they've they've they have done some. They have trailblazed in several other side of things before. Um, so I'd, I'd be very interested to see how they are. Personally, I'm a little bit hesitant that it, I don't think it's going to work. The way I think it would, I think I, I think I think what you're going to get is perhaps better, but not quite enough. I was referring more as far as like the non-HR functions. Yeah, I think um, one one of the things that I was glad to hear when I listened to the last Meta show with Brisk, um, <clears throat> I'm Merkel Chen, was that uh, there was this this impression I had that that they were seeking to change the culture somewhat. Um, and I, I, I didn't get the impression that they were looking to have a, you know, a huge paradigm shift in that regard. Uh, more that, you know, some of acknowledging some of the, um, some of the lines being blurred uh, in terms of, you know, insults that were thrown around in the past and that overall culture uh, that was, that was there. And there were some apologies for that, some acknowledgement that uh, they'd gone too far at times and that they were going to clean up that side of it and and try and, you know, sort of still be, uh, you know, a war of words as well as a war of spaceships um, w- within the content that they create, but but cleaner perhaps and less personal and more um, more fitting for, you know, a better culture really. And I think, you know, that that I don't know, much about the goon and imperium culture day to day but but you know a hr department can only do so much what what's really needed and and i'm not saying this to any particular group uh, i think this should apply to all that you know there's going to be a culture shift people are going to start to say that certain behavior is now unacceptable um, I've already seen today uh, some posts on Reddit of people calling people out for things they've said in local, and and people start to ask questions like, "Is this the new norm now? Are we going to be screen capping any insult in local and and sharing it?" And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, potentially yes. Um, you know, a new norm, a new paradigm needs to be established now, and the community needs to decide uh, what is acceptable uh, in terms of." Um, banter should we say you know where where people get salty we call it uh what's the new norm what's acceptable within discords within the game and what's the where's the line where's the new line that says nope that's not acceptable and we're not going to tolerate that sort of behavior uh, and that sort of culture shift is ultimately i think what's going to make the real difference and because without it you know the hr are just going to have report after report and people are going to continue to engage in behavior that that many people find unacceptable so i mean we'll see how that shift unfolds here um it's kind of just for us to speculate at this point but there is of course the day-to-day uh operation of the imperium which is where i was i was trying to get you guys to go which is you know the matani is not just any player. Um, he's arguably one of the most influential players of all time, and he leads the largest coalition in the game that has an active war ongoing. Now, of course, he's not a, a military commander in the traditional EVE sense, and he's not 
leading fleets. No one would say that Matani was responsible for pings or alliance logistics or anything like that, but he definitely was the, uh, you know, sort of the, the public face of the coalition. Uh, he definitely had a hand in the grand planning of everything. A lot of the more significant Eve political developments of the past decade have been thanks in part to him. So if, if not an insignificant part. So how will this affect Imperium's current war fortunes? And, you know, does this, do we see this as something that's likely to go from a metagame internal problem to a in-game external problem, as in different groups maybe take the opportunity to test the Imperium when they may be weak? I think there's definitely potential for um, something to develop uh, like that, but I've I've seen very little in that that way at the moment. I've noticed that pe- there's been a lull um, in, in discussion around this. this. There was a huge peak, and then it's just, it sort of died down. And uh, of note, I think that you know the player count has stayed pretty consistent, uh, and the war reports sort of continue to come in. Um, of course, the Imperium. Is was huge and is huge, and I've not seen any of the FCs, um, you know, change their behaviour. They they're going to continue to run fleets, as far as I can tell. And uh, from what, as far as I know, um, the Imperium carries on fighting uh, down in the south, um, and you know they've got that huge uh, sort of stock of 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 people and of. Um, resources uh to defend themselves with and i think the community itself is is probably just as strong in terms of its ability to fight in the game as ever and uh i i don't think we'll see anything like that for a little while yet no hints of it um i've not heard too much about the south more i've heard more about the north actually um than the south of late but uh, it's been a much hotter war zone yeah yeah I think to answer your question, Alec, I don't think it's going to say change much right now. I think there's probably a lot of residual goodwill from the from the horn the horn of Gundor and the and the general rallying that the goons did to basically hold off everyone. Um, I think that an organ, a, a group such as theirs, I think, would affect a power transfer. Okay, whether that might lead to some kind of small fracturing or something else going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm not certain it is. I mean, there might be very small plays in the future, but I, I can't see this being a particularly big shift or, or an opportunity for someone to try and carve them in two. I just don't see it. I mean, under normal circumstances, any other coalition this would happen to, you would say it's definite, definitely an opportunity. I think the issue is there really aren't any groups that are well-positioned to take advantage of it. They're already fighting FireCo, and... Pan Fam, I think, even if there were internal divides within the Imperium, I think they would have a very hard time attacking them. And if they did, it'd be the perfect rallying opportunity for that community. Anyone that is an an Imperium enemy, I think, at this point is much better off waiting to see what happens, waiting to see if maybe another shoe drops in the scandal, waiting to see who winds up taking Mitanni's place at the top and, and what they do and how that's received. And if there's further division that could come, uh, probably be a, a tactical mistake for people to attack them now because it would give them the opportunity to really unite together and kind of bury the past. And there may be more that still comes out potentially. Certainly I think the, the what Zero mentioned earlier that, there's going to be a bit of an expectation of them having to clean things up and set up these new structures. And, you know, there's going to be a period of, of people really looking at them with a microscope, making sure that the solutions that they're claiming to have put in place are actually effective and don't perpetuate the problem. But as far as war, not the only game in town down south. Uh, Imperium, Fireco, we will continue to bring you that story, but right now a lot of focus is on the North and what Fraternity is up to, because they are the big bad right now, and they're fighting, for lack of a better term, the, the lovable misfits of the game, Brave. Um, they've, of course, declared war against Brave and Volta, which we covered in the previous episode, but Brave has borne 
the lion's share of the fighting so far. Yes, and if you know, if what I've heard uh, on podcasts is is to be believed, and I have no reason not to believe it, um, you know, fraternity didn't didn't start this with the intention of fighting brave. Uh, they wanted to fight Volta, and they found themselves fighting brave anyway, and uh, and uh, perhaps stuck now in in a long drawn out battle, especially given that uh, recent attempt to take out uh, one of Brave's stagings there um, early on in the in the conflict, before Brave perhaps had a chance to re- reset their timers to a more sort of fraternity negative kind of time. Um, and, well, fraternity did not succeed in that headshot attempt. And, uh, well, now, I, I, as far as I'm aware, the, um, the Brave uh, timers are now firmly in uh, time zones, which fraternity cannot sum up, uh, drum up significant numbers in, and uh, their advantage there is, is sort of dwindled a bit. Um, so perhaps a long drawn out conflict on the cards, and Brave show no signs whatsoever of uh, of lying down and taking anything. Um, they've been they've been very active in this. Um, they've been able to form at short notice. Volter have been there as well, and uh, every report I've seen, you know, they they're holding up very strong. Yeah, but the fights have been extremely bloody. Um, some people are calling, suggesting that Fraternity is employing a tactical feed scenario. Where they're just trying to have extremely damaging fights on the premise that their war chest is much deeper than Brave's, which is almost certainly true. Whether they're actually doing that, I, I don't know. But if they were doing it, it wouldn't be the worst strategy for them. Yeah, and it could lead, uh, you know, to support, really, I suppose, to that idea that a long drawn out strategy is what they they've sort of resigned themselves to now, because doing this for any length of time is certainly going to drain resources on both sides. And as you say, whose war chest is is bigger? Um, but at, at this point in time, you know, Brave have not called in any allies, as far as I can tell. They've not asked anyone for support. Um, they're just happy to carry on um i mean for them for brave this is this is definitely content and uh they, their members are definitely good spirits the times that i've uh, passed through brave staging and uh they they're very much enjoying this so if they need to you know do some more work to to you know recover those uh isk losses then i'm sure they'll be up for that as well the membership is nice and stable they are the they are the you know the the David versus the Goliath of, of fraternity itself, um, but I think from a popular side of things, I think they are, they're the they're the plucky underdogs. And I, I although there are bloody war, bloody battles that have happened, and you're right, you know fraternity. I think we've made no secret of the fact that they've got more than a more than a, a little bit of some nefarious practices in, in game that you know that fund them from that side of things. I think we've been we've been public on that previously. Um so I'm I'm kind of happy to see someone standing up for them and yet yeah, they might have deep war chests and whatnot. Um but one thing that big fights do is draw in more people. You know, if two sharks have a fight, a bigger one's gonna come along eventually and there's a fairly decent chance it might not be friendly to fraternity. In a lot of ways, Fraternity has more to lose from the outcome of this conflict. I mean, they're the much bigger alliance. Brave's been kicked around before. It's not new for them to get evicted. Meanwhile, if Fraternity fails to evict them, that is a pretty glaring black mark. They will have failed where so many others have succeeded. (laughs) I think... uh... (laughs) I mean, I hate to put it that way, but... Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, an interesting point emerging here is that, you know, for, for Brave, this is content, right? They, they, their membership is in their prime time. The content, the content is in their prime time. Uh, you know, their players are just logging in and they get in, you know, great content and great experience. Whereas for Fraternity, it's all off time zone. So the, I would have thought the majority of their members are missing out on this content and um, are just reading the battle reports after the fact. Um, so, you know, like how engaging can it be for their core membership uh, to, to have this war going on that, you know, unless they play outside of their usual time zone, uh, they can't really participate in? I, I wonder how that sort of has an effect on morale. 
I mean, I'm sure that's not new for them. No one really wants to fight Fraternity in their prime time zone. So I, I, I would doubt that has a very noticeable effect on their morale. I'm sure it's not negligent, or negligible rather, but I doubt it's going to be a, a real long-term problem for them. I think the more frustrating thing would be lack of progress. They've yet to take a major system from Brave, and it's been like two or three weeks. That's not great. Uh, their leadership is putting, you know, trying to project this confidence that they have everything well in hand. But I think the the map would suggest differently. They haven't taken a major system. They haven't won a truly significant structure timer offensively. They've done a lot of damage, but you would expect more results from them at this point. Meanwhile, Brave, the longer they hold out, the better they've got to feel. You know, you would imagine their morale is going to hold strong. There certainly doesn't seem to be any sign of fatigue on that side, to Lave's point earlier. Indeed, and one can only imagine that it's driving recruitment more than anything else. Yeah, probably. Uh, certainly driving more goodwill toward Brave as everyone who hates fraternity flocks to help them. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely feel a, a sense in the community that you know the supporting of the underdog is uh, quite a common theme. And we're not immune to it either. Um, we have decided to go help Brave out. So we've been, yeah, I mean, not that fraternity would really notice a group our size necessarily, but for whatever it's worth, we've been camping them out and putting some kills up on the board, going pretty well from what I can see. Yes, we've uh, had some members who were more than happy to oblige the request and have gone out there and just made a dent, um, made a dent every day. And uh, it's, it's, I'm sure, not uh, something that perhaps fraternity would uh, be worrying about necessarily. But uh, as as things go along, um, it's only going to get more and more frustrating for the individuals that uh, fly in that space. And, uh, of course, that's what we specialize in. I mean, I would, just as a general spot, I don't think we are anywhere near deployed yet. Um, it's been a fairly slow start to things, and I think we've certainly got a lot more on our plate we could be doing. Hey. <laughs> well, let's talk about how we came to that conclusion. Um, our final historic story is we had our first ever Noir UK meetup. And I was there for it. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, a, just a brilliant opportunity. I was flying to the UK for business, and the place I was going to happened to be, I guess, within reasonable commuting distance for a good portion of our UK members. I wouldn't call Zero's distance reasonable, but he made the trip anyway. Special shout to Zero for that commute. Oh, absolute mad lad. I was going to say that it was mutually inconvenient, but... Uh... Not really, uh, but uh, it felt that way for me, given that uh, Alec had made such a long journey to reach us in, in reality. And not only did I fly halfway across the world, but I had to take a two-hour train on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was totally worth it. We met up in Sheffield, which was a place I'd never been before. Really cool city. Very uh, fun, young, vibrant-feeling town. Um, a lot of cool art. Apparently, I mean, I could tell it was a college town before somebody even pointed it out to me. It's just how it felt, you know. But really good businesses. We went to the video game museum. That was a lot of fun. Played a uh, Sailor Moon side-scrolling beat-em-up very poorly. <laughs> uh, we role-played American Police with like some kind of Gatling gun game, which I could have sworn I played when I was a kid only vaguely remembered you, you were very good at it i was i could very it, it was unnerving how could you tell though because <laughs> <laughs> it was all random uh, just and for some reason the bad guys did ballet when they got shot yes that was, time. Uh, very interesting uh instead of ragdoll physics it was more like uh dance wasn't it dance enemy dance interpretive dance physics <laughs> Oh, and they all blow up in nuclear explosions. That's how we kind of thought everyone died in the 1990s, right? You shoot them and they just boof in a mushroom cloud. Well, this was before a cell phone and body cam footage, you understand. It's a lot of artistic license in those days. 
I gotta say, uh, Alec, you know, a disclaimer. Um, your your experience of UK weather was not typical. Um, it, it, Sheffield doesn't normally look or, or feel like that, as in blue skies and uh, hot, balmy weather. That's super that's not- hot. <laughs> oh, you didn't. You were in there for the real hot stuff. Um, it was. We had our hottest day. A few days after, I think it was the the day before you flew back was the hottest day in the UK. I'm sure you probably saw it plastered all over the news. Yep. And to us, that that is un, unreal because, of course, our climate's not geared for that. We don't really have aircon in, in lots of in lots of places. So, um, yeah, it's it's not very comfortable when you when you're trying to run a clinic in like nearly forty degree heat and there's no aircon. Yeah, people told me to, uh, you know, dress dress warmly. That it was going to be extremely cold. Uh, I was told to expect, like, for U.S. equivalent weather in like the sixties or low seventies at the hottest. So I packed all long pants. I packed mostly long sleeve shirts. I had a couple like three quarter sleeve shirts, and I had two or three t shirts. Definitely not nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, the uh, the hotel I was staying at and where I had to go for my day to day was like literally across the street, and both were air conditioned, so I didn't have to, you know, endure too much heat. But like walking anywhere for food, forget it. Uh, couldn't be bothered to go sightseeing anywhere; it was too hot. And I was definitely, definitely dragging. <laughs> we were walking around Sheffield. <laughs> I had like long black jeans on, black Nora shirt. Oh, <laughs> what is happening? Uh, so we did the video game museum. We got a pint. We planned the invasion of fraternity at the pub. <laughs> this is this is how all British wars have been started, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a remarkably good donor from a really weird donor McDonald's of sorts. The German Donner Kebab Shop. Yeah. Awesome, awesome flavor. Really, really weird interior. That was an experience, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we did some bowling. Found out that one of the pins has a grudge. Also, Alec taking my shot. <laughs> yeah, that's the best shot I took all <laughs> the whole day too. And then you double, uh, double guttered, right? No, no, you double guttered my shot, so I took your shot and hit a strike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt a bit cheated that game. <laughs> and then uh, for dinner we had a spicy meatball, and and that was it. It was a good day. It was awesome. It was great to finally meet you for for, for starters, and just a really nice experience to have a nice chill around Sheffield, show you guys the sights. There's there's so much more to see. Um, as you say, the weather kind of precluded too much going around and everything else. But uh, it'd be great to kind of welcome you back at any point. I'll go to another one of the British cities nearby. I'm I'm nearly a hundred percent positive I'll be going back within the next year. Maybe not calendar year, but definitely year year. So the next time I'm up there, we'll we'll definitely do something. I very much enjoyed my my commute up there. Um, the trains being air conditioned was uh, very helpful, and uh, just lovely to you know be able to read and not get travel sick because it was a train, not a car or a coach, and uh, just a nice early start. And I actually got home before midnight in the end. Um, so you know, all credit to the uh, to the public transport, and and just shows how small. UK is really in reality. Um, there's a city every you know twenty minutes or so, and uh, on the train. And um, yeah, I, I also enjoyed the tram. Um, I've never been on the tram uh, in that part of the world, and uh, you know that was uh, an interesting experience for me because I've been on different trams around the world, but um, just to, to be on one in the UK was actually a novel thing for me. <laughs> it, it was a very unique experience. <laughs> Very shaky, I think, was the was the perhaps the more descriptive term for the audience out there. There was some kind of EDM festival going on in Sheffield, so there were some colorful characters on our tram trolley, <laughs> whatever you'd call it. They were they were colorful there from about ten in the morning. We saw them going around sound thinking, yeah. 
we're, are we missing something? Because I mean, it's just been the, it's, it's the Tram Lines Festival that this weekend, which is the big music festival. So had it had we have come this weekend, I totally wouldn't have been surprised. And Sheffield would probably have been twice as busy. Um, but we were like, where are all these people going? Are we missing something? Because this is this is really kind of quite flamboyant. And I stopped before the bowling, and we heard the bass like going through the train, and we're like, that's where they're going. Mm-hmm. That that was an awful lot of bass. I mean, I I knew straight away that it was one of two things it was either a small hatchback uh being driven by somebody in their early 20s um playing some music from their radio or it was a massive bass festival and i think it was a massive bass festival but i'm still not convinced the highlight for me of the whole trip was at the end i mean aside from seeing you guys that was fine seeing the salmon of steel the super salmon that was a cute little, cute little, um, little sculpture, wasn't it? Yeah, it's at the Sheffield train station. It's a metal man-sized salmon jumping out of the water with a wrench mustache for some reason. It's like a zipper, so it's like it's like the mouth has been opened by a zipper and the wrench is at the end of it. Ah, okay. Well, I also it, was, remember. it was brilliant. My favorite picture. I also remember some sort of like chain mail kind of thing as part of like the underside of the gills and or uh, the underside of the scales and things. Um, I, I thought I thought chain mail that's really cool. <laughs> they really put a lot of detail into it. Very expressive. Yeah, I should point out just for for viewers out there, Sheffield uh, is in in Brennan known as this as the city of steel. It's got a, a big heritage in steel. Um, works whatnot so we tend to play a lot on that and a lot of local sculptures will be very kind of steel and metallurgical based uh leave your highlight i, I think i've come across it but it was a uh, great to meet you guys uh in person like how many times have we spoken over the years uh it was great to finally put a put a, a real life memory into the collection i really wish we could have recorded live this was the it happened to be the day after all the Matani stuff broke on reddit oh god it was mad wasn't it? i me and rob were ahead having a chat about workplaces stuff i can hear you and zero behind us talking like talking proper shop about it it was like i want to join in that it's like there's just so much going on and we knew that like, every day like the story was changing reddit at the time had completely blown up uh zero what's your highlight so I, i've um I've picked a, an Eve-related highlight uh, because um, there was a little story that I should share uh, that I wanted to share the next time we spoke. Um, I was so I was in a, a fleet with um, Eve Uni. Um, you know, we do some training for uh, aspiring fleet commanders, and uh, that's something I'm involved in now and again. And uh, well, the the group that I that I help out there has recently discovered that um, you know Sarah. Is a, is a thing to use a lot and uh, also um the brave staging is um a fun place to be right now so so when you add those two things together we were out on a, a nano roam um taking out some t1 stuff mix of frigates bark cruisers uh some some cruiser logi t1 and um some t2 frigates then with that and uh anyway we did a successful roam and we ended up escaping somewhere into thera and I was asked for advice, and uh, the, the person I've seen the fleet said to me, uh, where should we go? Um, any suggestions? So I had to look at the Terra Connections, and I saw one into Volta Space next to Brave Staging. So um, I said, oh, there, let's go there. So they'd been there before and uh, recognized that, you know, Volta Space was somewhere that could be quite spicy quite quickly. So they had a little poke into Volta Space through the Blob region and uh, just outside Pure Blind. And, and there was, you know, too much action there. So they turned around and went straight for Brave Staging. And uh, the scout, a very, very good scout, who, who sometimes uh, helps us out on our MPSI fleet, uh, Bazinga. Bazinga goes uh, in to Brave Staging and says, um, oh, I see a panther on D. So people chuckle and say, oh, that's, you know, ignore the panther. And, well, Bazinga's not going to do that. So Bazinga says, oh, in, in warp to a panther at a combat site. So, again, there's a bit of, like, chuckling. Um, you know, no, 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 this is this is bait. Or, you know, this is there's not a panther at a, at a combat site. You know, don't be silly. Um, anyway, the next call comes in, of course. <sighs> point on panther so um 
in we go a handful of us go in we uh we warp to the site and we uh we start to kill this panther well of course you know what happens next you know um it doesn't like the sino uh, because it's in the staging so you know it can't really do a lot uh, unless the, the ships that are signed uh, from a different system. So um, locally, a response fleet comes in um, and the, the brave old FC says, no, 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 stay on the Panther, stay on the Panther. We kill the Panther. And I'm like, right, okay, now we're aligned out already. Very good. You know, we're going to warp off, right? No. <laughs> the FC says, everybody stay on grid, right? Kill the tackle, you know. Um, and in, in fairness, you know, the, the, we lost one or two there, um, of the light stuff, but, uh, the call was made then for us to warp off after killing a few more ships. Um, unfortunately, uh, there was a bit of an error here and there, and, and we did lose one more than we should have, but, uh, it, it was a lot of fun all around. And, um, and then we extracted back through Thera. Well, we tried to extract back through Thera and ended up, uh, warp into an expired hole. And uh, while we were sat there, a poor old Vedmak just warps to us and, and just gets killed. But that that's the second part of the story. But uh, yeah, very fun all around. And um, just nice to be sort of nano-ganging with a group uh, in EVE Uni that uh, people that have only recently started playing the game, pretty much, and uh, love that sort of content, you know. And uh, yeah, to, to kill a panther in Brave Staging, very good. You gotta love it. Uh, shout outs, thank outs, of course. We gotta shout out our supporters. We've had tremendous support on Declarations of War through our Patreon, even during all the time that we were somewhat disrupted with our, um, like with all the moving and then me traveling for, for work and stuff. So I really do appreciate you guys. Acer, Fade, Tane, Bodhi, uh, Kestrel, Tweak, Krav, you guys are awesome. Thank you for your continued support to the show. It really means a lot to me, and it enables us to do some cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been putting feelers out on, on some things. I don't know if it's actually going to go anywhere, but, you know, I'd love to expand our editing, expand our social media in the coming years. That's the kind of thing that I'm, I've sort of got my eye on there. You look at shows like the Meta Show, shows like Talking in Stations, and, and the level of support and organization they have. It's always seemed a bit much for us, uh, certainly for the amount of time that I have available to dedicate to Declarations of War. But the more we can improve the show, you know, we're going to try to do that for you. So no promises, but we're at least looking into it. And I also want to shout out Primus, Gideon, and Ott. All of which who wanted to be there at the Sheffield meetup, but just at the end of the day couldn't make it. Um, whether it was uh, you know, family issues or IRL stuff, or just too far, too expensive to travel, couldn't make it work out in time. Uh, you were missed, and hopefully we'll be able to bring you guys into the next one that we do. Zero? Yeah, I, I listen to as many different Eve podcasts as I can. Um and there, there are some that I listen to as soon as they come out. And uh, one of them is um, Jade Cougar's podcast. And, uh, you know, Jade has mentioned the show a few times. And uh, I just wanted to shout out Jade because uh, in the last episode, Jade's Lost in Eve podcast, there was uh, a particularly long mention of our coverage of the CSM elections and some very positive comments from Jade around, you know, how we did that and, sort of the questions we asked and the way we handled it. And uh, I just really appreciate that because, you know, doing things like that, um, you, you're not sure how it's received, right? You, we get a lot of feedback um, from people that listen regularly and, and you, you know, you know what, the, what they think, but um, for people outside of that group, um, it's just interesting to know how that's perceived by others. And um, it was just very nice to, you know, for that to be, sort of appreciated the way we did it and um you know especially coming from jade who you know i enjoy listening to uh so yeah thanks jade Dave? my shout out our plug is to like seeing some nice good old-fashioned propaganda from the brave boys against uh, fraternity obviously after last week and, and reddit uh, being blowing up for other reasons then being very quite heavily pruned by the mods it's nice to see some good old eve uh, content eve kind of uh 
a lot of ribbing and 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 play and playful kind of artistic direction at the expense of others. Even if that other target is currently our uh, campaign target of interest, but it's, it's nice to see some good propaganda from uh, Brave against our uh, our our, our uh, targets, Frat. And as a final word, I do want to express that for everything that they may have done wrong and for everything that people out there in the EVE community, you know, quite rightly could take issue with the Imperium for in terms of their in-game, out-of-game, or that kind of gray area actions and attitudes and behaviors, I do sincerely wish that they get this right and that there is a lesson to be learned here for all of the alliances and all the corporations of EVE as far as how to handle these situations. And just in general, for our community and for our own corp mates and alliance mates, just do better, support each other, don't tolerate harassment, don't tolerate the kind of creepy, sexual, predatory type behaviors, even if, you know, in the past... It might have been thought of as a joke or just not a big deal or something that's a personal issue. Obviously, now it should be very, very clear. This is an organizational issue. It's an organizational challenge. It's an EVE community challenge that we all have to ensure that we're rising up to meet. So I know people are very suspicious of of Goonswarm and, and their motivations for doing it. Whatever their motivations are, they have a lot of incentive to get it right. They're trying something. I hope it works. If it doesn't work, I hope we all learn lessons from why it hasn't worked. And I really hope the other big coalitions and, frankly, even smaller alliances are taking note of this and are either setting up their own processes or at least thinking ahead about how they would deal with this kind of situation should it pop up in the future. Because, yeah, this is... It's not just a real-life issue. It's just a people issue, and EVE is full of people, so we're going to have these problems. We have had these problems before, and it really matters how it is handled. It reflects not only on you and your alliance, but also on us as a community. So let's get our shit together. That's it, guys. Head to decorationsofwar.com to participate in our show's poll. You can also go to youtube.com slash C slash AlexiFK to leave a comment on our show highlights. Our recruitment is back. We are alpha friendly. So if you've canceled your subscription, but you're still playing, we definitely want to keep talking to you. We're looking for experienced PvPers interested in mercenary content. If you want to hang out with us, come chill in Cafe Noir dot where you'll find a link to our Discord and the answers to any questions you might have. And with that, wherever you are and whoever you're flying with, good hunting, listeners.